0: Hello and welcome to the BPL Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm the programming librarian and the host of this episode. In today's episode, we're highlighting Hispanic Heritage Month, which runs annually from September 15th through October 15th and celebrates the histories, cultures, and contributions of peoples descending from Spanish-speaking countries. Youth librarian Kelly Edwards and myself sit down for an interview with Pamela Espinosa de los Monteros and Patty Vocal from the Ohio State University. Pamela is an assistant professor in the Latin American, Iberian, and Latino Latina Studies Librarian at OSU University Libraries, and Patty is the Outreach Coordinator for the OSU Center for Latin American Studies, which you'll hear abbreviated throughout the interview as CLASS. Our interview focuses on the CLASS Book Box project, which aims to bring authentic Latinx and Latin American stories into K-12 classrooms, as well as offering some tips on how we can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. Let's jump into the interview. We are here with Pamela Espinoza de los Monteros and Patty Vocal from The Ohio State University. And I think we can get started by asking you to share a little bit about yourselves and what you do and to talk about this project from the Center for Latin American Studies, this CLASS Book Box program, um, how you got started and what inspired you to create this project.
1: Sure, I can go first. Thanks for having us here. It's great to be at the Puxley Public Library. My name is Pamela Espinosa de los Monteros and I am the Latin American Iberian and Latino Studies Librarian at Ohio State. What does that mean? It means I take care of an area studies collection. I serve as a liaison to students, faculty, and staff at Ohio State. And then I also support the Center for Latin American Studies in its mission to uh, bring everything about Latin America, language learning, education, and advocacy out to the greater state of Ohio.
2: Patty? Hi, I'm Patti Vocal. Um, I am the Outreach Coordinator for the Center for Latin American Studies at Ohio State University, so CLASS for short. I am the Outreach Coordinator, so part of my position is to really make sure that we're giving teachers or educators as a whole, right? Because you could be a paraeducator as well. Um, Opportunities for professional development um, so they feel more confident using Latinx and Latin American-centered content in the classrooms. I also occasionally substitute teach still um, and I have done doctoral work in children's literature as well.
0: Awesome, well, thank you for being here at the library. Can you talk about the class book box program um, and how that got started and the inspiration behind that project?
2: Um, Yeah, so as I mentioned, I have a little bit of doctoral work in this field. And when I was hired on as the outreach coordinator, I wanted to fuse both my background knowledge and my goal of helping educators together. And so I reached out to my advisor, who's Dr. Patton Ciso at OSU, And we kind of talked about this idea of a book box program, and um, we wanted to offer teachers different books that they could use in their classroom, but even aside from that, just educating them in terms of how do you even look at picture books? How can we use these books in a meaningful, engaging way that really critically examines the content itself and is not just superficial throwing in of this literature in the classroom.
3: So cool! I'm gonna jump in because I'm Kelly Edwards, I'm the Youth Services Librarian and um, we were looking at a way to celebrate Hispanic American Heritage Month and it was so great to partner with Pamela and Patty and this book box program is just so awesome because we get a lot of teachers who come in and parents and even us ourselves Um, we're trying to find ways of like looking at books that feature Hispanic Americans and like you know it's such a broad and such a very diverse population Um, So when you guys were putting this together, what were like some of the challenges you encountered or and also, of course, the rewards, like why is this program so important and so awesome?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the very first challenge actually came after our first iteration of our book box, the first one. And the challenge was reflecting back on looking at the books themselves that we had included Mm -hmm. and realizing that we were not as inclusive and representative of the Latinx Latin American community Mm -hmm. as we wanted to be. One of the things that we really strive for is to move beyond monolithic representations of our community, and so how can we do that? And so the challenge then became, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. And we realized you can't do that in just one book box. And so from our first book box, we branched out to other book boxes that are theme and topic-based, so for example we have one that focuses on indigenous populations Mm in um, latin america we have another that focuses on afro-latinidad we have one that looks at environment and nature Mm -hmm. and we have a few others one also that looks at portuguese and brazil an introduction to that and so you know, the challenge was like, how do we get all the different stories that exist within these communities and be as inclusive as we can be? And the reality is that you're not going to get every community within each of these different book boxes, but how can we include some of these stories and then offer teachers additional resources of other books to look at or other types of outside resources that they could possibly use in their classroom? In terms of the great things that I think have happened from our book box and in, in general is mm-hmm. hearing teachers talk about using these books in their classrooms, right? Yeah. Sometimes we'll have teachers that the book just like really connects to something that they are about to be doing in their um, curriculum and they'll use it and they'll tell me about it, right? And so being able to have that like immediate feedback yeah. is really nice. But also for teachers to tell you like these books are working in our classrooms, right? Um, so that's been a really great experience about
3: it, yeah. Well, that's one of the things I just love Like with picture books. It's such a great way to introduce like, new people and new stories to kids. And I'm assuming when you're looking for these books, you know, bring in the library expert, the librarian. So um, when did you bring Pamela on board, and why did you want to include the library in this project?
2: Yeah, so Pamela is an invaluable resource that OSU has. And so Dr. Enciso mentioned her and including her, and I was like, okay, that makes perfect sense, right? And so, I mean, even within our first book box, like I had drafted a list of books that I was thinking about. I sent it to both Dr. Enciso and Pamela, and you guys looked at it, and we kind of decided as a group, like what books are we going to use? Mm -hmm. And within the different book box themes and topics, we've been doing the same thing right just giving each other feedback in terms of Mm -hmm. this book is it works in some ways but this book might be better or have you considered this population because it's not being really discussed within the other books that you're using um so I think it's been a very collaborative effort and it almost wouldn't make sense to have the book box without Pamela because her input is just so important and I think you'll talk about your library guides, study guides in in, um, a bit, but that's something else that has stemmed from this project as well. Very cool.
0: Yeah, that is all really interesting to hear about the challenges of kind of putting together a diverse collection, but also making sure that it's not monolithic. And is there a certain criteria that you're using when selecting books for these book boxes? And if there is, what should librarians in charge of uh, collection building and educators building out their collection for their classrooms, what criteria should they look for if they were trying to bring these books into their um, spaces?
2: So I think in the most ideal situation, we would want books from the community themselves, And, Mm -hmm. and if we're thinking of books that are about Latin America, we want books from there. But Pamela, maybe you can talk a little bit about access? Yeah, so uh-huh.
1: there is, as you know, the publishing market hasn't caught up yeah. to really represent the storytellers that exist, mm-hmm. and our community, we don't often start to talk about our experience until we get to college, like yeah. to with the first ethnic studies classes or to really dive into your own history. Um, Especially Latino American history, it's the curriculum is just not there yet, mm-hmm. and so these books really have really helpful to bring in those themes in, and then for you to see, hey, my story is this story. It's it's in this book, and and people can really uh, connect with it. And I I feel that there are these efforts. Uh, Like, we need diverse books and others that are pushing to find creators and storytellers that can authentically represent this cultural voice. Because what's often happened is that we've had other people writing about us. Uh, And that lens is different than if you're writing it from... And there's no singular experience. And so I think... That it's really important to pay attention who's the author and not mm-hmm. to say that there's some authors that can transcend and some stories are universal
3: mm-hmm.
1: what are, where are they being published
3: Are there places you're looking, like specific publishers or like...
1: So this is the fun thing about Latin America is that uh, there is a vibrant independent market. And there is a variety of publishers and their print runs can be short. And so a lot of times it's going to uh, a local bookstore or if you're lucky to get to the Guadalajara book fair that's a really good place to find books and there are programs for librarians especially public librarians to go that is that pays for part of the travel and part of the stay but knowing that it's going to take a little extra elbow grease to identify a vendor or to identify a specific online bookstore where you might Mm-hmm. find a bookseller who can support you. And there are org- professional organizations like Salaam, where that okay. is that really helps, or Reforma, that kind of mm-hmm. helps to support libraries to find those book vendors. It is a struggle, and then add to that. So now I know what you <laughs> have <one>. limited, <laughs> limited yes. authors, limited illustrators, yeah. limited publishers, published in all parts of the country, yeah. finding the book vendors, and now finding our fiscal people in the library to be able to pay those types of vendors, yeah. which becomes its own battleground.
3: That's a lot of barriers for, yeah, in our library, you know, we have smaller budgets. Most of the time it's easier to buy things like wholesale, so we use, like, Baker and Taylor right. and Ingram, so you're not necessarily right. finding those. Right. And um, this is just something from my experience, like, I know we've always wanted to have more of a, like books in Spanish or books in yes. French, but not having staff who can translate right. those is another barrier to cataloging those yes. books. And so among all those barriers, is there any hope?
1: What would you suggest? So that's us? why partnering yes. with experts is amazing. So we, yes. I'm, I mean, I am a Latina librarian. Yeah. So in theory, I should be able to select but I, I don't do this in a vacuum, not even myself. Like, I'm learning all the time from mm-hmm. Patty. I'm learning all the time from Dr. Enciso. I'm mm-hmm. reaching out to Latinos, Latinas everywhere yeah. to tell me, what are you reading? Mm-hmm. Um, when we we just did this Loteria activity, which you will see in the Bexley Public Library, I reached out to my colleague, yeah. uh, and she was telling me, Pamela these these references are a little bit outdated now <laughs> and so I I think that the that the answer is collaboration collaboration more input more relationships and kind of um, you know Patty gives me the lists yeah. she goes here's here's the books I I provide feedback into it I will let her know well these books might be hard to buy mm-hmm. but I think that um, there are people out there, and we just need to bring their voices in, yeah. and then we're mediating for for their knowledge and their expertise. Yeah.
2: And so, in general, when we're looking at the books that we're going to include, we have a lot of different aspects that we're looking at. So, the first uh-huh. is we are looking at the author and the artist, right? Okay. So, who are these people? Mm-hmm. Where are they? From? Where are they from? What kind of cultural expertise background do they have to be able to be talking about these experience? Mm-hmm and or do they come from these actual experiences, right? That cultural authenticity is really important. When we're looking at the images themselves that are used in the books, are we seeing diverse representations Mm. of the Latinx Latin American experience? Um, How are they being shown in comparison to the other characters that are are in the Mm. book as well? What are the power dynamics that we're seeing? What are they wearing? What are they representing, right? You mentioned bilingual books, right? So if we are able to find books that are bilingual, or we, we um, use a few books that have a little bit of indigenous language in it. How are Spanish and the indigenous language portrayed yeah. in the text? Very is important. it literally oh. put in there just to, to have a word in there? Or is it oh, done in yes. a meaningful manner? In um, context. Um, in context yeah. and purpose, right? And so sometimes you'll on, also notice that English or Spanish might be put on the first page before the translation mm-hmm. of it. And so what is that prioritizing? What is that showing our readers that are, are looking at the books? Mm-hmm. And just as a whole, we wanna make sure that we have books that have quality plot and storyline. Yeah. We are not in the business of just including books to be inclusive. We really mm-hmm. want it to be quality literature mm-hmm. because that does exist, right? And then you know, no book is going to be perfect. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. as we are looking at all of the different books don't steer away from the imperfections. Talk about the areas where you might be able to make changes, even as a reader, right? Like reflecting on what could have been done differently. And then something else is the inclusion of glossary or additional resources. I think that okay. ends up being a really, really valuable resource. The teachers love that. And we see that in some books and not in others. But it really is helpful for teachers to have that context to be able to then go look on their own, but also yeah. use in their classrooms. And then something that I've, I've noticed a lot in terms of themes is this idea of tolerance versus inclusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so is this book just being tolerant or is it actively being inclusive to Mm -hmm. the communities that are being discussed? And just like, what are the, are there any overgeneralizations that are being shown about the culture? If that is the case, then maybe that's not a book we need to be using. But I think those are really good starting points and it sounds like a lot, but there's so much work that goes into Mm -hmm. picture books, right? And they really are books that could be used at any level. And something I forgot to mention was that Our book box is open to teachers K through 12 in any subject area. And so we'll have teachers that are working with kindergartners, but then we'll also have teachers that are working with AP Spanish classes. And so it just really shows the complexity that exists within picture books and how you really Mm -hmm. can use like literally everything
1: in the book that's being presented to you. For a library, this can easily be done with a community advisory reading group. Uh-huh. It could bring in different Latine voices into the library and saying, here are some recommended books and we're looking for these criterias because they'll have the knowledge to look at those cultural markers and then mm-hmm. be able to share. And then with the librarian there, sitting in on those conversations will really help to kind of establish that, refine that compass of that criteria. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that's really important. So it's just that any intercultural experience is gonna take time. And that's, when we're talking about equity is a process, inclusion is a process, mm-hmm. it's really building in that time where, you know, if you're book buying and you're just going on a, on a list and mm-hmm. understanding the, the time limitations, it's maybe I'm setting aside this amount of budget this year, I'm gonna do a community review, and we're gonna buy five, six quality books that we're really gonna engage this year. Mm-hmm. You know, Do what you can where you are, yeah. start small and build it over time.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow up on, you discussed the challenges both with the publishing industry and also in selecting these collections are there any voices from the Latinx community that you saw were missing or stories that you would like to see more of published moving forward?
1: I can start with that. So I think that you tend to see an overrepresentation of certain countries and cultures. So Mexican representations in children's book, they have access to it that's easy is there. Okay. So kind of like when you're looking at Baker and Taylor, it's like knowing, okay, that, <laughs> are they getting stories from Central America, yeah. is this coming from South America, is this Iberian Spanish, which yeah. may not connect with actually the community Spanish of my library, just kind no. of being aware of those okay. ty- of those differences and then Latinan populations are are oral the oral traditions are rich so there's a lot of things that are not even in books so maybe having artifacts or uh, different audio uh, recordings or just honing into the strengths of an oral culture which will allow you to find the stories of indigenous communities at present. Because uh-huh. a lot of times when you find indigenous communities, it's about the Inca times or the yeah. Mexica times. And those are really lovely and uh, what, a, what a wonderful legacy. But there's a lot that is happening yeah. now. And in what forms are they are they being shared? And a lot of times it's, it's not going to be a traditional book. And then just kind of going off what Pamela mentioned,
2: moving beyond these stories of exceptionalism and trauma-centered stories that are often pushed to the forefront as being representative, right? That's not the case. And so, as Pamela was saying, we really want to show us today and now, right? And so showing our everyday experiences of of just living, I think is really yeah. important. And we're starting to see that a little bit more, which is exciting. Yeah. But we really want to be making sure that the the everyday experience of a Latinx, Latina, Latin American person is what is being shown as well. Yeah, it's perfect. It's
3: like you're still living, you know, it's not like it's all in the past. Like people are still living today, they're still experiencing life. And it's important to show those stories because then you have your students and you have kids that come in. They want to be able to see themselves and with all like trying to find books and like planning a classroom unit, which is awesome with the book box program that helps them to plan this. But like, say like, I don't have as much time or like, where is a good place or sometimes because it's so diverse, it can be so very overwhelming. Where do I start? Where do I find resources? So, if I was a teacher and you know I wanted to incorporate more in my classroom talking about like Latin American history and culture and just discussing and bringing in books, where would you suggest that I would start?
2: So one of the things that I've been very intentional about in terms of our book box is including people from the community to speak about their experiences, mm-hmm. right? So for example, when we have the Afro Latinx Latin American centered book box, we included um, someone that's from academia that identifies as Afro Latina, but then mm-hmm. we also had an Afro Latino teacher who is also working with this content, right? And so having those voices and from the community themselves is really important. Aside from that, we we've also been looking at, again, community-based voices, right? So Mm -hmm. what is BookTok talking about, right? Because there are so many creators on these platforms that exist that are already doing this work, but they just don't have the platform, right? They have this knowledge already. And so I would really suggest looking at BookTok as an example. Latinx in Kids Lit is a really great site that has reviews and feedback and interviews as well with some of these books that censor Latinx Latin American content. And so that would be another really great resource. But following authors and even professors, um, Dr. Christina Rhodes is on the Americas Award Committee, and she is also well known in this field. And so she will post a lot of different tweets because I follow her on Twitter, Um, but about some upcoming books or discussions that are happening, right? And so just really looking at these people that are already doing this work is really important because we don't need to reinvent the wheel when these resources already exist. We literally just need to listen to the community and give them that space to talk, speak for themselves. There are also three awards that are really great, I think, starting points if you are feeling Mm. like, okay, but there's so many resources out there. I need it narrowed down just a little bit more. The Americas Award is a really great one. It is to encourage and commend authors, illustrators, and publishers who produce quality children and young adult books that portray Latin America, Caribbean, and Latinx culture in the U.S., Um, This one is also an award that is put together by CLASP, which is a consortium, which includes the Center for Latin American Studies. So we do a lot of work with them and we have some programming that's available. So if you go onto the CLASP website... There is a tab for the Americas Award, and there are lesson plans listed there. Mm. There's curriculum ideas. There are additional resources that you can look at connected to books that have one, right? So that's another good place to start. The Tomás Rivera Award is for literature that depicts the Mexican-American experience. That's another really great award to to use maybe as a starting point. And the Budapalpre Award, who is named after the first Latina librarian Mm -hmm. in New York, that one is another really great resource, and what I've learned in working with teachers is a lot of teachers don't even know these awards yeah. exist, yeah. and so even introducing them to these awards and saying, these websites have so many examples, might even have resources for you to use yeah. that already exist that you can just put in
1: your classroom, I think those would be um, some good ideas. Yeah. That's awesome there's a lot of resources out there they're just not aggregated or known and so I think librarians can help providing access points to them which is Mm -hmm. what we've been trying to do with the class book box. I think that it can seem overwhelming and I think honoring those feelings is important like I don't want to make a mistake I don't want to add Mm -hmm. harm so you know it's really starting with Who is the constituents that you're serving? Who are the users that Mm -hmm. you're serving? Start with that person in front of you and build up. Mm -hmm. And then seating the floor. A lot of times it's, yeah, you're not the expert, and who can I bring in to have a conversation, to not say this is how it is or this is the checklist, but to start having those conversations to allow that connection. So it can feel overwhelming, and I... The more that you step into that discomfort and build those relationships, mm-hmm. the easier it gets.
3: Awesome. And it's very important like just cuz it's overwhelming doesn't mean you just shouldn't do it. Yeah. You should definitely still do it. Yeah. It's still very important. And I love that you know even in your book box program like you guys are also bringing in presenters and you're also looking for people who are experts who can bring that to your program. Yeah. And that is awesome.
0: So Hispanic Heritage Month runs from September 15th through October 15th. And here at the Bexley Public Library, we're celebrating, we have a bingo challenge. Um, It's kind of a passive way to let people know about Hispanic Heritage Month and to challenge people to read these stories and to engage in these books and in these stories within our community. So I guess I was wondering what people can do to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month around Columbus.
2: So if we're thinking about picture books in in the classroom, let's start Mm -hmm. there, right? As we had mentioned before, really going beyond these stories that promote exceptionalism and or center Mm -hmm. trauma-based stories, try to show as much of the diversity that exists within Latinidad, right? And one way that I've seen that done with my teachers is that Again, going to the use of everyday experiences and showing them in everyday experiences. There is a book called The Isa Wants a Car. And in this book, there are the themes of goal setting and creating a budget. And so teachers have been able to use that lesson within their quote unquote regular curriculum, mm-hmm. right? And so when we include these stories, in everyday classroom settings, it really helps show that it's not a community or experience that is just for the month, right? Another thing that's really important is making sure that we're showing the intersectionality that exists, right? And so I have had a couple teachers talk about Drum Dream Girl and not only using it for Women's History Month, but uh, Black History Month. And so being able to show how they overlap and share these shared histories is Mm -hmm. really important. But again, so going back to those different um, resources that I had talked about earlier, look at those resources and see if that's something that can get you started in being a little bit more inclusive of Latinx, Latin American content within Mm -hmm. Hispanic Heritage Month, right? You know, make sure that we are including the the voices of our students if they do exist within the classroom to also share their experiences but not to use them as okay you are latinx tell me what that is like right just offer them the space to share their story if they're Mm -hmm. feeling comfortable with that and just really steer clear of commercializing the holiday Mm -hmm. which i feel like is often something that that happens
1: and just be as intentional as you can be with this Mm -hmm. work yeah, I, th- I think that intentionality is key. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to get to know a community that is present yeah. and has been here for a long time. And so it's what where is that place in my community mm-hmm. where that community is there or that is missing and that we should critically take a look at that. Mm-hmm. There's lots of opportunities in Columbus to celebrate this month. I'm going to share some activities that are from Ohio State out into the community or that Ohio State is partnering with the community. Mm -hmm. So some that is happening fairly soon is the Latino Arts for the Humanities is hosting the Dia de los Muertos celebration on October 8th. And this is a free and open event to see a very special fusion of culture, of Mesoamerican culture, uh, as, and its extension to today in the other los Muertos. So that's one way. We have right now at the Barnett Center at Ohio State University, we have a new exhibit that's titled Dancing with Devils, Latin American Mass Traditions. And this features traditional festival masks from all over Latin America. Oh, that's uh, so cool. Yeah, oh. alongside photos of the Diablada de Pillaró. And it's taken by Ohio State's photojournalist, okay. Leonardo Carrizo. And this brings you up close to a Diablada festival. Uh-huh. If you've never had the pleasure of attending any festival from Latin America, they're really fun <laughs> and uh, this brings you uh, a, a up close experience here in Columbus. It's okay. a really great exhibit for teachers and also for students. Uh, we're also going to establish a new little free library in the Intercultural Gallery of Haggerty Hall, and this is with the Center for Languages, Literatures, and Cultures. And this is really specific to. Mm-hmm. Brazilian Portuguese children's literature and uh-huh. I mean and there's a controversy is Brazil in Hispanic Characters, well also Haiti right because you include them within our book box as well uh, yes right. <laughs> and they're kind of and because we're Iberian focused a lot of times yeah. and our understanding of history for that part of the world we can forget um, Brazil but I I'm gonna bring it in because <laughs> Uh, Columbus, there's about 2,000 to 4,000 Brazilian and Portuguese speakers that, that yeah. consider Columbus their home. Uh-huh. And then, personally, mm-hmm. I go out and buy a paleta, <laughs> go have some tacos. <laughs> I, yes. But I, I think, honestly, it's there's so much the culture and the presence of these community members bring to us. Yeah. And it's how is it touching your life? How can you learn more? Mm-hmm. Because we're we're influencing each other, yeah. whether we are acknowledging it or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just say, um, if you're able to support Latinx, Latin American bookstores, for example, by purchasing mm-hmm. from them, that would be a really great example that also supports small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think food is such a great way. When I was a Spanish teacher, I was able, we had funds. So I was able to purchase paletas for our students. Yeah. And so our yeah. some of our students... Uh, to try different flavors. Guess it was my favorite one, which is kind of like cheesecake. Um, and they had never had that before, right? So just introducing them to something as simple as that, I think will just make such a meaningful cultural connection because they can also connect that to foods they might know at home that okay. might be similar or different, right? And I think just being as intentional with purchasing from from our community, if you can.
1: Yeah, yeah. because there's a lot of Tex-Mex restaurants here that are not necessarily catering to the foods of the of our heritage mm-hmm. so just also being mindful of that yeah. and you know it's it's not about I'm going to extract the elements that I like and I'm gonna mm-hmm. it's really trying to connect with the people that are really embodying those identities
3: any like restaurants or like bookstores that you really like
1: so recommend
2: Café con Libros is a book that's uh, a bookstore that's in Brooklyn. It's Afro Latina owned, but the owner does such an incredible job yeah. of having online events through Crowd cast I think it's called right and so for example I was able to listen to Elizabeth Acevedo who is
0: amazing
2: (gasps) Um, she had just come out with her visual poem Inheritance which can also be used as a picture book I think and so just being conscious of these different community organizations um, bookstores that exist that might be able to bring that those authors and communities to you yeah. i think is a really great way to do that she's ha- she has other authors as well um but that's the one that i normally try oh. to attend as many events as possible nice. they're fantastic
3: that's yeah, so.
1: awesome i'm going to plug yeah. diamonds ice cream which oh. i think the experience that uh-huh. their flavors the way that they the environment that they have created in their in their establishment i think is it's a really great place and then I just ran into, and they have food too. And they have food, and it's uh, really good. And oh, it's yeah. really, yeah. and it's <laughs> traditional like food that you would buy when you are walking around in the Zocalo and you're eating your papitas <laughs> with uh, uh, miguelitos and everything. There's also a new restaurant I just found on hi- Hide and Run. It's called Casa Oaxaca, and again, oh. it's just simple um, family-owned restaurant, mm-hmm. but it's they have really nice cuisine from Oaxaca and yeah. uh, Oaxaca is one of the places that has the most diversity of indigenous communities in Mexico oh. and I, I have enjoyed it there are many other places there are many places to go in Columbus there's a website I believe it's called food truck finder okay. um, in
2: Columbus I think and I think it, it has that. a list of all of the different food trucks where they're going to be so I would highly recommend looking at that list and seeing if there's something near you that might yeah. work yeah um, but food trucks are are just such an accessible way to get that food. Yeah, that's amazing too. Mm-hmm. And
1: to support farm workers, farm yeah. worker rights, mm-hmm. um, the people that grow and pick our food, and just to be conscious of where they are and where our food is coming from, I think is also incredibly important. Yeah. And again, that's not just Latine communities that are there, but mm-hmm. it's it's. I think it's just trying to make an authentic in reach to the community. I think is really yeah. important. And going off of what you just mentioned, too, farm workers work in really hazardous um,
2: conditions. And Mm -hmm. so one thing that can also be done is if you're able to donate to them um, Mm. and their work, fantastic. But they are also always looking for sweatshirts and sweatpants and old clothes that they can put on top so oh, that no. they are not affected by the, as affected okay. by the pesticides. You're not going to ever yeah. not be affected, yeah. right? But that's something else. If you're wanting to find like an actionable item to do within yeah. your classroom, see if you can find um, donated clothes to then contribute to these organizations.
1: Yeah. And anyone that you're in a kitchen and you are hearing Spanish, yeah. press press the owners to bring those people to the front of the house. You know, I think that that makes a really big difference. You know, this kind of separation that you sometimes see in the service work. Let's Mm. give equal access to all the different types of positions to all the workers that are there. (laughs) <laughs> oh uh, thank yeah! Thank you
0: for sharing all this, and we're recording this around lunchtime, um, so, <laughs> it's to, so to, to distract my stomach, I'm going to bring us back to the class book box. And I was looking at one of the reading lists, and I was very pleased to see Sonia Doris or Dreamers by Yu Yu Morales. It's such a lovely book and such a lovely story, and it highlights public libraries as as a safe haven and as an inspiration to to a migrant story. Um, So I was just wondering if you had any favorite picture books that came up when you were putting these lists together, and if you have any projections for the 2023 Pura Belpre Award.
2: So I have two books that I really enjoy. The first is not a book we actually use in the book box, but I always recommend it as a supplemental resource. Separate is Never Equal, Um, Sylvia Mendez and Her Family's Fight for Desegregation. Mm -hmm. The first time I had read that book, I was in in grad school and I was like, what? I did not know that this story um, was Mm -hmm. a thing, right? And so to be able to see the historical precedents that we set, our community set, but also... The similarities that are shared with the Black community, I Mm -hmm. think, is really important because often there is this separation between our very shared experiences, right? So to be able to have that book, I think, is really important. Um, And there's just so much that can be done with that book as well. Mm -hmm. And then another one that we don't use, but I always suggest, is Alma and How She Got Her Name. And that book really talks about the importance of names, where names come from, and Mm -hmm. and starts to think about pronunciation. And I was telling Pamela earlier, my name was supposed to be something else. It was supposed to be Sochi, But my mom thought, she loved the name. And my mom, after talking to my dad, was like... It's gonna to be too hard for them to pronounce. No. They're gonna whiteify it. And so instead of Sochi, I ended up with Patty, Patricia, Patricia, whichever one. And so thinking about these cultural components of our identity, mm-hmm. and it can be something as simple as a name. Yeah. But a name is not simple, right? There's so much history and background that goes into it. And so to have, you know, other people share their stories. But I also worked at a predominantly Somalian school and to mm-hmm. have students tell you, you said my name right. And I'm like, yes, because I understand the importance of names. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that book starts to create that conversation. Mm-hmm. And you're also community building within your classroom when mm-hmm. you do something as yeah.
1: simple as, say, a student's yeah. name correctly. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Saying you care. like
1: Right. Yeah. So I love Sonia Dores. It's one of my absolute favorite books. And also because I was an immigrant and, mm-hmm. and the whole experience of crossing a border is something I'm still working through. And, but I think uh, the, the book I love the most of Yuyi so far is A Niño Wrestles the World. Um, oh, yes. That was so funny. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> when I became a children's librarian, that's the book that I interviewed with. I had to do a story time. Oh and i had all the panelists of the interview stand up and to the eye of the tiger and we had (laughs) (laughs) we had to pose in our wrestler Mm -hmm. modes i i just think that she took a lot of pop culture of the latina community and really infused it with a lot of fun and luchadores is just has its own world and yeah. i use it often as, as kind of to remind myself not to take things too seriously which same thing with calaveras they have the same kind of messages like the humor is there so i that's one of my favorite children's books and I am a terrible librarian, and I haven't kept up with what is coming out, <laughs> but as soon as they are announced, I uh, I devour and read all of them.
2: Yes. <laughs> Same. Oh, yes. uh, I was looking at Where Wonder Grows. Um, oh, I, th- I believe I that was 2022. That one. Okay. Um, that one is is a good book, and it's also a book that's in English, and there's a Spanish version as well. Oh, so awesome. you can use both of them, right, if you're able to get your hands on those. But one thing I really wanted to, to make a point of, of mentioning uh-huh. and sorry i didn't bring this up earlier but the way that we have been interchangeably talking and using hispanic latinx and latine yeah. those are all different labels and categories that people decide for themselves yeah. and so while the the month itself might be named hispanic heritage uh-huh. month it, it's I I don't feel like that's going to change for a while. Mm -hmm. I've been using Latinx and you've been, I think, saying Latinx and Latine, right? Those have different connotations as well. And Mm -hmm. so just to be conscious of when we are having these conversations in our classroom and through the books that we're using, being aware of what words we're using and Mm -hmm. how students might react to particular labels and categorizations. Because they might not agree with that label mm-hmm. that is being placed
1: on them. I'm I used sure. it as an like opportunity now that we're getting much better with pronouns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say, like, how would you like to be referred to mm-hmm. or what what identity? Because I have changed, and I'll tell you that I have changed over time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's I'm really glad that you brought that up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is no easy way. We're very diverse in everything, as oh, you can yes. see. <laughs>
0: Pamela, Patty, thank you for coming to the library and for giving us a bunch of ways that we can celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month and to share these stories. And thank you for talking with us about the class book box
2: today. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the BPL podcast today. We hope you enjoyed Thanks again to Pamela Espinoza de los Monteros and Patty Vocal for sitting down and talking with us about the CLASS Book Box Project in Hispanic Heritage Month. You can learn more about the Book Box Project by visiting class.osu.edu, that's s.osu.edu, or by checking out the links listed in the description notes. If you liked what you heard, please help us grow by telling a friend. Rate us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Special thanks to the band FOMO Deep for lending us their song, Bourbon Neat, for the podcast. Find out more about upcoming Bexley Public Library events by visiting bexleylibrary.org. Follow Bexley Public Library across social media platforms under the handle at Bexley Library. You can also email us with your comments, questions, and suggestions at podcast at bexleylibrary.org. Thanks for listening and take care.